This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Good evening, Christian Family Church. Thank you so much for being here tonight and spending some time together with us in God's presence. Did you sense the presence of God this evening as you were worshiping Him? And uh, now you're here and you're going to be hearing from God. And uh, it's a great privilege for me to be the one that He's going to be speaking to you through. And uh, I'm so grateful to Apostle Theo and Pastor Bev for the opportunity. And I, um, I really believe that we're going to hear from God tonight. And I think that it's going to really enhance your life. That's the whole point of the Word, isn't it? God sent His Word to heal us and to deliver us from our destructions. That's the purpose of His Word. So you can expect that that's exactly what God plans to do tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much that as we come into Your presence tonight, Father, that number one, we could do so worshiping together. Thank You, Father, that Your Word is life and full of living power, Father. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And, and so thank you, Lord, that as this word goes forth tonight, as we, we learn about uh, dealing with the wait, Father, and the benefits in that wait period. Thank you, Father, that we will embrace it by your grace in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking this word tonight and causing it to be planted deep in the hearts of every single person, both here in person and those that are watching online. Thank you, Lord, that it will produce a harvest for years to come and bring it to our remembrance when we need to withdraw from this deposit of the word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, this morning what happened was we closed off our study on the book of James and, and what we learned about was that prayer and faith are necessary. How many of you agree prayer and faith are very necessary in this world? Amen. And so we also learned that prayer is the difference between the best that I can do and the best that God can do. So when we've sort of exhausted every avenue that we know to do, including exercising the Word, that when we pray, we allow God to insert Himself into a situation. And James used the example of Elijah to show just how powerful prayer is and how necessary faith and prayer, of course, those two go hand in hand. And so tonight, I'm going to stay on the topic of prayer, and I'm going to be dealing with an area that all of us have experienced, probably some of us are dealing with right now, and most certainly, we are all going to face at some or other point in our future. And I'm talking about the time between prayer and praise. And so Daniel chapter 10 is going to help us to better understand how this works. We're going to unpack the scriptures. But before I do that, let me just provide you with a little bit of context as far as uh, Daniel chapter 10 is concerned. This uh, book was written about 600 years before Christ was born. And Daniel was a part of Israel when they were actually taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And so what's remarkable about Daniel, even though they were in that state, is the way that he lived his life. I think he lived a standout life. He didn't step back when he was told that he could not pray to God anymore. In fact, he continued on to do what he knew God had instructed him to do. Not only that, but, you know, he was doing all of this in a pagan culture. So within a culture where people actually didn't believe in God. In fact, they had no God except for maybe some that they've created on their, of their own. Um, he continued to not be influenced 
That's so important, to not be influenced by the culture that he was surrounded by. And not only that, but Daniel, this Christian boy, if I could put it that way, this Hebrew boy, in this, in this very difficult place, had influence on a number of kings in that kingdom, on King Darius, King Cyrus, and of course we know King Nebuchadnezzar. And so uh, we also find in, in the book of Daniel some amazing miracles that God had done. Think about Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. I mean, that was an incredible miracle that happened there. Not only that, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they also, I mean, they were friends with Daniel. And the things that they endured, I think about the fiery furnace, of course. I mean, what another amazing testimony of God inserting himself into a situation to prove his faithfulness. They came out of that completely unscathed. So they'd really seen the hand of God. But here in chapter 10, it's quite a difficult time for the nation. They're about to uh, go back to their land, but, but things were not going well for them at the time. And, and Daniel was carrying an immense heavy burden on himself here in chapter 10. This burden that he had, this weight that he was carrying was actually for his people. They were getting ready to return, as I said, to Jerusalem, and they were in a bad way. And as we read this, you're going to sense just how heavily this was weighing on Daniel. And, I, and I'm mentioning that because we can then also relate. Because we ourselves have also been burdened by things, right? Or not? We've all been burdened by heavy things. We've prayed for our nation. We've been praying for our nation for a long time. Daniel was doing the same thing. But not only that, we've, we've had to deal with things that are much closer to home and also see God on these matters. So it's, diff, it's easy to uh, um, relate to what Daniel was, was carrying and why this need for him to bring it before God in prayer was so necessary. So that's exactly what, what he does. He turns to God in prayer with this heavy weight upon him for the nation of Israel. And after he prayed, guess what? He never heard from God. He never heard anything. For 21 days, not a word. He'd prayed. This thing was weighing him down. He'd given it to God. He'd taken it before him in prayer. And then for 21 days, and when you're waiting to hear from God, 21 days can feel like 81 days. How many of you can say amen to that? And then after, on the 21st day, we pick it up here in verse 11. An angel rocks up with a message for Daniel. And the man said to me, Daniel writes, Daniel, you are very precious to God. Why don't you take that for yourself tonight? Put your name in there. You are very precious to God. Say that. I am very precious to God. So listen carefully. <laughs> That's what it says. You're precious to God, it says. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you, he says. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. Wow, that was what would have been really reassuring. He's saying to him, listen, I know you haven't seen anything for 21 days, but, be, but know this, since the first day your, your prayers have been heard and I was dispatched 
immediately. Your, uh, I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit of the prince of the kingdom of Persia. So what the scripture is doing is it lays out the framework that we have all experienced, or perhaps are experiencing right now, or most certainly, as I've said, will have to deal with in the future. And on the one side, you have Daniel, who's carrying this heavy burden on himself, and he turns to God in prayer. And each of us have things that we cannot resolve in our own strength. And we have to turn to God in prayer. And you know, people who are not even followers of God, they find themselves turning to God in prayer sometimes too. Why? Because there just are things in our life that we have zero control over. We have zero ability to change that we have to bring before God. Just recently, my wife and I were watching a show on television about people who've had these near-death experiences and they've had these major turning points as a result of, can I say, turning at death's door. And family members and so on will then testify about what this whole uh, uh, event meant to them and how they've changed, etc. And there was a story about a guy who had hand glided and he had a terrible hand gliding accident. A young boy, he was about 16 or 17 years old. Anyhow, he, um, it was really bad. He was in ICU for more than 400 days. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty bad, right? And his mom, she says up front in the interview, she says, you know, when they phoned her and said that you know, my son had just been in this hand gliding accident, the first thing I did was I prayed. And as you continue to hear the story and the testimony is coming out, towards the end of the show, she says, you know, I'm not a religious person. I actually don't believe in religion. But uh, I do believe that, you know, there was a reason why he survived and so on. But I found it quite odd that immediately she turned to pray, reaching out to a God, because really in that state, when you are fed with news like that, I tell you what, the fact that maybe you don't believe in a God disappears immediately. And it's just our natural instinct, I think, to cry out to God. And I think that, to me, is what happened with this mother. The point is that even people who are not followers of Christ also turn to prayer in desperate situations. And incidentally, family, just as far as statistics go, family is ranked as the number one topic that people pray about. The people that we care about most, those that are closest to us, because I mean, really, that is the most painful when, when we lose them or when they get hurt, you know. But all of us can relate to the moment where we realize that we need help. And what do we do? We pray. And my hands are coming up in a moment. There you go. Check that out. We pray. That's what we do. And the reason why we pray, I mean, the list is endless. We could be praying about relationships. We could be praying about healing, about direction, about guidance, about decisions that we need to make, about financial help, about deliverance. The list is endless. Why people would reach out to God and to pray. And then... We get excited about the moment when we're on the other side of this experience that Daniel had. When we're on the side where the answer comes, where the solution comes, where the miracle comes, and we praise. And so we have these two very real dynamics in our lives. The one where we pray and call out to God and, and, and exercise that which He encourages us to do. 
And then we have the other side where we praise and are thankful and, and obviously are so grateful when the miracle comes. Now, I don't want this message to detract from the fact that when we pray, we believe that we receive, right? That's what faith does. It, it believes immediately at the moment that you pray that you've received it. And that's what faith is. But even that faith could only end up producing what we see and experience a little way down the line. In Daniel's case, it was 21 days. Now, this gap between these two very real experiences that we all encounter, this gap here is the part that makes it quite difficult for us. This is the inconvenient, hard-to-deal-with space between these two realities. This is the tough part that we wish wasn't even there because we don't like waiting. That's what I'm talking about. This period between prayer and praise is the time of waiting. How many of you have experienced this time of waiting? And the problem is that we're not very good at waiting, folks, especially not in this day and age, right? I mean, waiting just isn't something that we're prepared to do. And if I was standing here a couple of years earlier, I would first bring up the microwave oven to explain to you how we live in an era where we don't want to wait. But let me bring it a bit let me make it a bit more real. We don't like to wait for the next Netflix movie to load on the screen. That little circle that goes round and round is basically representing what's happening inside of us. We're freaking out because I don't want to wait for anything to load. I want it instantly on my screen. We don't like waiting. What about going to the licensing department? Now, whether I'm telling you this 40 years ago or today, it still takes the same amount of time. We don't like to go and stand in those queues and wait. And, and for the life of me, we can't understand why we still have to do that. But anyhow, we don't like waiting. What about elevator doors? I don't like waiting for an elevator door. Those two arrows that are pointing towards each other, that's the first thing I click like an Atari game. And you know... Even if someone, I, I wonder if there's even anything connected behind that. I nearly said blimmin' button. But we press it anyhow. Why? Because we don't like to wait. We want those doors closed because we need to get a move on. That's the reality. This space that I'm talking about, it's a struggle space. And it's called waiting. The wait between prayer and praise. And here's the question that we have to wrestle with. What is it that we do in this waiting period? Well, I have good news for you. God has the answer. He's got the answer on what happens in this waiting zone, if you want to uh, give it a different word. Tonight, God wants to encourage you and to help you solidify your faith around the space that we call the wait. So that it's no longer something that we despise, but that we will learn to embrace it and believe that God can do something great even in our wait. So firstly, I believe it's important for us just to quickly make sure that we have straightened out our theology. If you think about theology, it really is just talking about understanding God or knowing how God works. So it's important for us to know our theology about God before we go any further. So here's the first thing that the Word of God shows us, to understand the God that we pray to and receive the point of praise, this God that is going to help us in this area of the wait. The first thing is that we need to understand that God hears our prayers. He is a God that hears our prayers. And folks, if we don't get this one right, 
then we actually can't go any further. And if we don't believe that God hears our prayers, why even bother to pray, right? So it's important that we understand God hears our prayers. Daniel 10, 12, it says, Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request, this angel says, has been heard in heaven. Psalm, 100, uh, Psalm 18, verse 6 says, But in my distress, the psalmist writes, In my desperate situation, in my difficult time, in this point where I don't know how I'm going to fix this, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. And you know what he says? He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. You need to know that God hears our prayers. And it's awesome to hear this, that he hears our prayers. But when you take time to just reflect on this for a moment, the person that we're talking about is God, the creator of the universe. We're talking about God, the God who keeps the earth spinning on its axis. We're talking about God who keeps everything in place and allows gravity to continue to work. Otherwise, we'd be in some serious trouble. This God who's big enough to make the planets and the stars. This God that is so big, yet he can hear my prayers. That, family, is a miracle in itself. Think about this. A mustard seed size of faith reaches the throne room of heaven. The second truth that we need to understand about God is that God doesn't just hear prayer, but he answers prayer. That means that this praise moment is coming. Say that with me. Say, my praise moment is coming. Daniel 10 verse 12. I have come, why? In answer to your prayer. God answers your prayers. 1 John 5, 15, it says, And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. God hears our prayers. You know what? Sometimes God hears our prayers that we don't even pray. I was reminded of a time here. It's actually quite embarrassing, but I'll tell you in any case. When I just started in the ministry, and one day I was speaking to a pastor, uh, a full-time pastor here, and, and I really liked the tie that he was wearing. It came with a lacquer matching little jobby that goes into the pocket here. I never wore suits before I came into the ministry, so this was all very new to me. And I said, wow, that's a really nice tie. And you know, he said to me, oh, someone blessed me with it, and yeah, it's great, I like wearing it, and thank you, and so on. And you know, that night I was at home, and I won't embarrass myself further by saying I was in the bath. But, um, you know, I was thinking to myself, yes, see, I wish someone would give me a lacquer tie. That I just thought to myself. And you know what? It wasn't a few days later. The same pastor came up to me with a tie. In fact, it was that tie. And he gave it to me. I'm not even kidding you. And I thought, God actually heard that? I didn't even, man, I am in ministry, folks. God is hearing me even when I, I don't have to pray anymore. I just think stuff now. Come on. Anyhow, that's what happens. So God sometimes answers our prayers even when we're not even praying them. Wow, man, what a great God we serve. But perhaps some of you are thinking, you know what? That's great, uh, you know, you spoke about prayer this morning, and I'll, I'll just take this with a pinch of salt, but 
You know, God may not always answer us the way that we expect or in our timeline. That's what can sometimes make this so difficult to, to trust in God. But when you reflect back on your life, like I've just done now, think about others, all of those that have prayed, including yourself, think about the times in your life where God has brought the solution. He has brought the answer. It may not have come in the way that you expected it or the way that you liked it or when you needed it as far as you were concerned. But God always comes through. And in the end, it is always better than what we would have even imagined because that's who our God is. So now in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, it says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? This is just to reassert the fact that God is a good God. God will answer your prayer because He is a good God and because He is a Father. That's why we can trust His answers. And here's the third truth. God uses our weight. So He hears our prayers, He answers our prayers, and He uses the weight. He uses this nasty zone, this difficult zone, this weight zone. He uses that. It's not wasted space, folks point between the prayer and the praise, this over here. It's not wasted space. It's not the wastelands. God has something great to do even as we wait. Do you want to know why I can say that to you? Because God doesn't waste anything. In Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. God uses our weight, but here's the truth. It's always a battle. In chapter 10 of Daniel, it shows this interesting dynamic that while, when the angel was dispatched, that was where the conflict came and this prince of Persia held back the answer from God. It was in the white space that this took place. Think about Joseph, his brothers selling him into uh, slavery and then also him ending up in jail. All of this conflict against the call of God in his life happened in this white space. But look at Daniel 10:13. It says, But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. You know why that happened? Because any time that God is doing something good, the enemy is always going to oppose it. Sometimes we're surprised at how much of a battle it is, but we shouldn't actually be. Why? Because the enemy wants to come against the good things that God is doing, not just what is in the miracle. But in the time that we wait for that miracle, do you know why he wants to do that? Because he wants to derail you, folks. He wants to get you discouraged. He wants you to start questioning, is God really going to answer me? I mean, it's been 20 days. And sometimes there is a great urgency in our lives. And it's some, it seems sometimes that God doesn't realize that. But we have to trust God. I'm sure that we can all identify with the anxiety that, that the enemy brings. And you know, the number one goal, as I've said, is that he wants to produce in us a striving of our own. He wants you to try and get it done in your own strength because it looks like God obviously is not taking care of business. The moment he can get you to operate in your own strength, oh, that's breeding ground for discouragement like you can't believe. Stephen Furtick says this, Listen to this quote. The only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that we would have. God hears our prayers. He answers our prayers. And He wants us to use our weight. So what's our challenge from all of this? I know that it's hard in the moment to do. But we, we know that it's true now that we've unpacked it. 
We shouldn't resent the weight. We shouldn't hate the weight. We should not waste the weight. If God wants to do something good in it, we should put ourselves in a position to receive what he wants to do. We should embrace it, folks. I mean, we're waiting anyway. Why not let God do something great in that time in any case? Don't waste the weight. Say that. I mustn't waste the weight. So in Psalm 130, verses 1, it says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But you, with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. Listen, I wait for the Lord. I refuse to take this into my own hands, is what he's saying. I'll wait for you. With every part of my being, I will wait for you. With my whole being, I wait. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. He says it again, more than watchmen wait for the morning. It was very significant what David was saying here. It's an amazing scripture. We should wait for God and not try and take matters into our own hands. And, um, and so this picture of watchmen was a powerful picture for the people of the, you know, his audience at the time. And I'll tell you why. Because these watchmen were guys that stood on the wall and had to watch over the city. It was their job. They didn't despise the period of watching. That's what they set out to do. They set out to make sure that the city was safe. It was their job. Every night they would take that position. It wasn't resentful. It was with expectation. And they were going to do their job and look for enemies and make sure that the city was protected. But their deepest expectation and the core of their job was not even to protect the city. It was to look for the first hint of the morning, uh, of the morning light. Because in the Jewish culture, that was the moment, or the moment in the morning was when the morning sacrifice took place. It was the moment of blessing. So there were watchmen on the wall. He says, I'll be like a watchman on the wall. And I'm waiting with expectation for the first morning light because that's when the sacrifice of blessing is going to happen. That's when I'm going to see the miracle. We're not going to miss anything in the wait, and we're going to expect with every part of us that God will answer us. Because we have assurance that the miracle is coming. If we could sum it up like this, while we wait, it's an intense focus on God. While you wait, this is where there should be an intense focus on God. Otherwise, we're going to get thrown off the rails with anxiety and with doubt. We have to stay focused as we wait. This is what God's telling you tonight. For those of you that are in the wait right now, in this period, this zone, God's saying, be focused on me in this white zone. And soon enough, the praise will come. I've dispatched the solution to your problem the moment you prayed. So how do we stay focused on the white? Number one, we focus on his ways. Hebrews 10, let us hold unwavering to, unwaveringly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. We're putting our hope in a faithful God. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. It's important for us to spur each other on, to encourage each other. That's why you're here tonight. Listen to the scripture. It says, and let us consider how we spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't get into that habit of not meeting together. 
But encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, family, we're not waiting for Take A Lot to make a delivery. We're not waiting for Amazon to deliver something to our home. We're not waiting for McDonald's to come and deliver the right order to our house. We're waiting on God. Faithful God, an all-powerful God, the rock that we can put our lives on, the Redeemer, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the first and the last. He is above all, and He is in love with you. That's who we are waiting on. 1 John 5, 14. Oh, secondly, we must focus on His Word. So we focus on His ways, we focus on His Word. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we seek anything according to His will, in other words, uh, uh, if we look at God's Word to see His will, the Bible says He hears us. We need to anchor onto something. This morning I spoke about that. We need to anchor onto the Word of God. Your prayer and your hope, this point, should be anchored on a word. Find a word that you can anchor yourself against so that through this period you can remain focused on God to the point where the praise comes. And then lastly, we need to run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, we must focus on the work of God. Focus on God who is always at work. I want to read it again. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. When we keep our eyes on God in this period over here, we will see the period of praise. We will see the solution. I think many have given up in this place here. And God does not want that for you. We need to trust Him that when we pray, He hears us. He answers us. We keep our focus on His Word. We keep our focus on His ways. We don't waste the wait. And we will enjoy the praise, just like Daniel. In fact, if you look at some of the people that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the great hall of fame of faith, you look at some of the names in there. Daniel only had to wait 21 days. What about Joseph? 13 years. Abraham, 23 years. Moses, 40 years. We didn't ask for the space between the prayer and the praise, and I wish, <laughs> I wish that they were right next to each other. Like you would just see them right here next to me like this. But I'm deciding that in this space between prayer and praise, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to believe that He is the author of my story because Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Let me leave you with a final quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says this, If the Lord makes us wait, let us do so with our whole hearts. For blessed are they that wait for Him. He is worth waiting for. The waiting itself is beneficial to us. It tries faith. It exercises patience. It trains submission. And it endures the blessing when it comes. It endures the blessing when it comes. You know what that's saying? It's saying that when the blessing comes, the fact that we waited 
is a point in our lives that we'll actually look at and say, wow, that was the best part. Like when a pregnant woman gives birth, the Bible says the moment that child is born, she forgets about everything that happened to get that baby into the world. Her joy is, it overrides that. And that's how it will be when we focus on God in the wait and embrace the wait and allow God to grow us in this time. Allow Him to work with us. Allow Him to do what He wants to do in our lives before the moment of praise. Praise God. Did you receive from the Lord tonight? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person that is here at church and the other venue and and also those that are online. Father, thank you that those that are sitting in a place of wait right now, Father, that as difficult as what it seems, that, Lord, this word would bring comfort to them and that, Lord, that they would trust you, that they would believe that even though they're not seeing what they're wanting to desperately see, that they will believe that you are at work in their lives in the name of Jesus. I thank you that they have absolute assurance in Jesus' name. I'd like to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. If you're here tonight sitting here in the auditorium or in one of our other venues or watching from home and and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'd love to pray with you tonight. You know, God had a period of waiting, folks. Listen to me. When Adam and Eve fell from grace in the Garden of Eden, already then God had made a plan for Jesus to come back then already. The Bible says that when the timing was perfect, Jesus came into this world, which is about 2,000 years ago. God had to wait for a very long time before the right time for Jesus to come. And, and talking about timing, you're here tonight, not by accident. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm telling you that your wait is over tonight. At the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand. One, two, three, right now, raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. And the venues as well, just raise your hand nice and high so that our, our host can, can see who you are. If there's anybody else here tonight, don't leave here. Folks, please, don't leave here tonight not knowing about where you're going to spend eternity. If there's anyone else, I'm inviting you to raise your hand right now, and I'm going to include you in this prayer, and your life will never be the same again. The long wait is over, folks. Tonight is your night to come together with the Lord. I want to pray with you. Every one of you, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. And I want you to listen to the words that you're saying. I'm going to ask everybody, in fact, to pray this prayer together with me tonight. And and just mean what you're saying, okay? Let's say this together. Let's say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me so that I don't have to die, that I don't have to suffer in hell. He did that for me. I thank you, Lord, that you rose him from the dead on the third day, which proves that I was forgiven. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. I receive 
your gift of life tonight. Come into my heart. Thank you for cleansing me of all of my wrong. And right now, as I sit here, I have become a child of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.